Hello, friends. Welcome to the Dimension of Our Midnight Cake. I'm Soltis. Joining me in the nexus between realities are my friends and fellow trans-dimensional beings, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Well, we were finally able to do it. We sat down, we watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, and that is what we will be discussing for this transmission. Ghostbusters Afterlife is a 2021 American supernatural comedy film directed by Jason Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Gil Keenan. It is the sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, both directed by Reitman's father, Ivan Reitman, and the fourth film in the Ghostbusters franchise. It stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd, while alumni like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, and Sigourney Weaver reprise their roles from the original films. It is set 32 years after Ghostbusters 2, where a single mother and her two children move to a small town in Oklahoma as they discover their connection to the Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy, things start to happen. The runtime is 125 minutes, and it was made on a budget of $75 million. As the discussion progresses, we will inevitably be making comparisons between Ghostbusters Afterlife, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, and even Ghostbusters 2016. There has been some controversy surrounding Ghostbusters Afterlife, as it has absolutely nothing to do with Ghostbusters 2016. There will be heavy spoilers, so if you do not want to know anything about anything, go watch the movie for yourself and come back. We'll still be here. It's fine. If you happen to enjoy our conversations and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, consider visiting our website at OurMidnightCake.com. Okay, so initial reactions to the movie? Positive, unpositive? It was another movie with Ghostbusters in the title. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I liked it. Overall positive. Overall positive. Good as a follow-up trilogy thingamajig. I like the girl as the lead, kind of. The lead, kind of. She was the lead. Well. She was totally the lead. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get technical. He means he technical. hasn't decided about his feelings on her as the lead. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. Uh, I liked her. I liked her. I thought she did a great job. I also thought that the movie was well done, and I enjoyed it overall. I do have some problems with it. <laughs> I, I do think, have a few. I think Beaches also has some problems with it. <laughs> I think my main issue overall, like it wasn't the story, it wasn't the ghost effects with Egon, surprisingly, and it wasn't uh all the throwbacks to the previous movies. It was the music was the biggest problem. Like it it felt like they didn't know when to reuse old music and when to place in any new music if they used any new music this that was my main issue with the whole thing was the music it just seemed like where where the the music wasn't placed correctly in the scene yeah like sometimes it wasn't even necessary they're just like anytime there's a transition creepy ghostbuster music it's almost like Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was 
Overdone Seinfeld. I think that this movie is best viewed as an homage to the first Ghostbusters. Because I I believe, Beach, as you were saying last week, that it it leaves out a whole lot of of Ghostbusters 2, and it's just mostly the events. Is is there any nod to Ghostbusters 2? Ray's shop is the only one. Yeah, Ray's a cult. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's the only one I can think of. No, no reference to uh, it's like YouTube videos of them outside the apartment building. No YouTube videos of the Statue of Liberty mm. walking through. The- <laughs> you figure that would stick into people's minds and memories. <laughs> and I think, well, and I think the toaster is somewhere, I should say. Oh, oh, oh that's right. The, the toaster is in the kitchen. Yep. So there's two references where it should be. <laughs> there's no portrait of Vigo mm-hmm. in this house. Yes. I was left with the feeling that this uh, no nobody really was worried about uh, remembering the sequel. No pink rivers in the desert. No pink rivers in the desert. We did get a, a spirit well. Yes, that was kind of that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, that was my one other complaint was that had nobody else ever gone down like that uh, elevator shaft I, before. It was incredibly easy access to get to the because temple. <laughs> you just had to go down the Someone shaft. in the town <laughs> would have noticed this giant temple underground other than dirt farmer Egon. Well, especially if the if the top area is a hangout for teens. Yes. Like there, Some idiot there is no would teenager. Have, yeah, there's no group of teenagers on down the face there on a dare easily. Who would not have gone down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this, this movie to me felt very much like a family kid-friendly Amblin-esque kind of movie set in the Ghostbusters universe instead of like having I guess like the feel or the spirit of like the first movie it was more of a Goonies Ghostbusters yeah which might be smart because the incredible comedy of that first movie I they couldn't have done right um no but there are some convenient plot moments like what you just said that I feel like yeah. would fit in like a kid's movie. Yeah. But like here we all make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> like in a kid's movie, of course they find the temple that no one else has found. Right. But like in the Ghostbusters movie, like that would not have worked. Well, right? I mean, Goonies, there was the, the wishing well that they kept uh, yeah. throwing down, you know, the it was full of there. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's convenient plot moments like that for sure. I thought that the, but the child actors, for the most part, did a wonderful job thought, with their parts. I thought she was good. I yeah. loved her jokes. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> yeah. And there, and there were distinct, you know, no, her jokes favorite. were good until they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. The yeah. theater actually <laughs> laughed at one of them when I was the one that I was in. Like uh, they, favorite, they they set up the jokes, and then in the scene where they were supposed to, like, oh, we're going to use this now, they were all they were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the, the other ones were funnier. Well, my favorite moment with her, like occasionally there was a line she would give that really felt like something Egon would say. Yeah. And I think the moment when they're pursuing Muncher, it's her and podcast pursuing Muncher. And he's like, aren't you freaking out right now? And she says something to the effect of when I'm overwhelmed with emotions, it focuses and calms me. And I'm like, that is something Egon would say. <laughs> I thought the opposite because it made me laugh. I'm thinking of a line where uh, he says uh, they're asking him for a plan, and he says he's terrified beyond all reason. Rational thought, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. that's it. But, but he very calmly, 
like delivers the line, right? Yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's the like mannerisms were completely similar. droll moments where he's just factually stating whatever's going on. So overall, I thought that the production was well done. The the sets yes. were were cool. And what was I meant to double check what the budget was on this? It was not enormous, right? No, no, so it was way less than the yeah, was, it was less than the 2016 or whatever it was million. movie. Yeah, 144 million. Yeah, for so that. it was like half the budget of that, you know. And and the cast was kind of small. Probably because they filmed a lot of it outside too, which was a plus. I thought it was nice having that different environment from mm-hmm. the city that added something else to it that that was interesting wasn't in the sure. in the other movies. Something else that I I learned that I thought was interesting is that the house was both an an outside set and an inside set. It, it doubled for the same thing, which is uncommon. Usually, you'll you'll build a facade of something and then shoot it from mm-hmm. the outside to get all your all your footage, and then have oh, on a soundstage okay. or something have a completely different set on the inside, the interior of it. But it was all built as one set to function for both ways. So it, the house was built. It wasn't something pre-existing. It, it wasn't something pre-existing. Okay, I was gonna. I was wondering if it was just because, like, it wasn't the Home Alone house. It pre-existing and they had did actually film like within it mm-hmm. within the spaces and stuff yeah I thought. yeah i mean i think that house has been sold a few times oh, yeah. and all that yeah yes yeah. <laughs> that's interesting yeah and and that goes to the credit of the of the set designers and then the i, I forget the name of the people who actually uh the, the dressers that the set dressers who who get all of the artifacts and and make it look like it's lived in and yeah, they did yeah. a fantastic. I mean, it looks like a dilapidated house that well, really I like that nobody cared for. Like anytime they open the door to the little uh secret entrance of the underground lair, that it looked like <laughs> yeah. the, the shack was gonna fall over anytime they opened the door, and how the center of the main house was caved in at a nice, like kind of arc as well. The attention to detail, especially in that regard, was very good. That's really cool. I love That's little nice. tricks like that. That's so neat. I don't know, practical stuff is so great. And that's one of the things too. I, I thought that it was, you know, as the dog in the store, man, when yes. it's like up close on it, oh, I was so yeah, the, excited. The, the practical effects were great. And, and having something like the demon dog or the devil, whatever it's called, it was nice to see it as a, as an actual prop and, mm-hmm. and a practical effect. Yeah. That one, that one stood out in the, um, the minor, that was behind the counter, the diner counter. Oh yeah, that was a good throwback. It was very similar to the cab driver. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that one was all practical too, and it looked really cool. I liked the Muncher character where it was kind of like a Slimer. You weren't sure at first if maybe it it evolved into that or or whatever, I don't know, just the shape. But then they like, totally different personality kind of with what he ate, um, even though he ate constantly. And then all the extra arms and legs just added to it's craziness as it fled I like from the every, extra arms and legs. Every that was uh, cool. time it tried to get caught, try to be they tried to catch it. Also practical was Gozer's flat top, I assume. Was practical effects. I would assume so. <laughs> now who know, played Gozer maybe. this time? It wasn't the same person as last <sighs> time. To look that up. No, it no, it, it was not the same person. I didn't no, think I, so. in Olivia secretly Wild. that's what I thought. I thought it yeah. was Olivia Wilde. In in my heart of hearts, I had hoped that. Paul Rubens would have had something to do with this <laughs> this movie at some point. Oh no! Well, that would have Same taken a little Moranis, bit of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just a little bit of let's do something that first one didn't do. Are you a god? 
that is my main complaint with this movie is that as much as an homage to the first one as it was, it, the third act is entirely the third act from yeah, the first Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I expected a little something different with that. I don't know what, but like it, it's pretty much dead on the same. The mom gets uh, released from the terror dog and then they trap the the girl from the restaurant that um, Stranger Things kid has a crush on. That's like the main difference <laughs> is that well, this is pretty much just to give her more than absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I was I was talking to my brother earlier about it, and I actually said the thing that you just said. Uh, which is it kind of becomes the first movie like the last 15 minutes are like pretty much exactly first movie repeated (laughs) aside from the ultimate trap that's set it's like you know there's that moment i guess but i mean even the dialogue is like similar it's the same and they're making fun of how it's the same like it's i think you had said you you saw the same uh review i did and they they noted a really a really funny point where uh, Finn Wolfhard character uh, his character uh, runs over to release her from the hardened uh, husk of the terror dog almost literally because he's seen the first movie and he knows he's supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <funny. laughs> Whereas in, in the first one, it's assumed that you know, that, that Dana is dead. And yeah. it's like, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a and big dramatic moment. There's her hand yeah. bust out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so obviously nope, he's caught funny. up on his research from after Paul Rudd informed everybody. Of, that's of it. What he saw it on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and again, in, in that same review that we watched, I think that the joke was made that, that yeah, Paul Rudd showed them the first Ghostbusters movie in his classroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how he knew. <laughs> Okay, so after Cujo and Child's Play, we're going to jump right over to Ghostbusters. Um, I thought maybe they were doing that to uh, emphasize, you know, that these kids do not remember these classic things the way we do. I was assuming they was like a connection. So when you're thinking, why wouldn't these kids have heard of the Ghostbusters? Okay, what about the mini marshmallow men? I needed more of them. I thought they had too much screen time. And made absolutely no sense as to why they existed in the first place. I think as that's far why. As you, the, you know why they exist. Because you had to have a reference to Marshmallow Men. Yes. Well, and the, <laughs> the thing that bothered me with, with the Marshmallow Men is they were used for these, like, kitschy little film references that were just out of place to me. Like, one of them literally does the, the Terminator 2 thumbs up as it's melting to death. Yeah. On the grill. I don't know if I you noticed I think that's that. why I guess I would want to see more is because... They're, they didn't have a purpose other than just a quick sight gag. It you was know, not like, quick. They they had well, way too much screen time. <laughs> I, I did yeah. I did get a bit of a kick out of podcast killing them all and then emerging yes. covered in goo like 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 stands then right yeah stands like stands was in the first because he was the stands of the group. But all the gags with them, it's like why are we spending this much time on the blender and the grill and the yeah I feel you and they're driving a Roomba. Waka waka, you know. Mm. I understand why they exist as far as a merchandising material and as a callback to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 
But there was a purpose for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, where at the end of the movie, yeah. you believe, oh, yes, of course. Of course, there can be a hundred foot marshmallow man walking down <laughs> the streets of New York City and terrorizing people because it's a it's an ancient god in the I believe the, the shape purpose of a cute mascot <laughs> of the marshmallow man yes. in the original is because at, at its heart, Ghostbusters is a comedy and they wanted it to be the most ridiculous thing they could think of. Sure. Yeah. You know, and and also they were all trying not to think of something yeah. destructive. And so yeah. Ray <laughs> thinks of this campfire memory of them roasting stay put marshmallows <laughs> in the buildup of him telling that story and then the reveal that a giant marshmallow man is going to destroy them all. I would have more bought if if they were threatened, if they're gonna do the replay of the script, have Gozer threaten them similarly. And one of them think of something yeah, you new that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, You know, there's a host of ridiculous things they could think of today because everything in our world is absurd now. So, yeah. But I love the whole opening scene with Egon. I would have been fine if that's all we had seen of him uh, throughout the movie. This, the whole, like, the camera angles, the shadowy effects, the good light, the good bad lighting on purpose and like the dc bad lighting because we didn't do something correctly mm -hmm. it, you know it uh it really it was a good way to open the film with that i think so too it there is i think that opening scene was the promise of a better movie we didn't get <laughs> <laughs> you know i cannot disagree with you about that i i, I actually i really enjoyed that entire opening and it made me very sad that uh he was not going to be around <laughs> to well, film the the rest of the movie that i really wanted to see that's true and and i i don't know if if part of that was just because once again it has so many comparisons and it invites so many comparisons to the original Ghostbusters movie where it is it is masterfully written and performed and the pacing is fantastic the dialogue is great oh, and, and any of the other actors who are doing ad-lib yeah 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 like like there's in the first Ghostbusters there's very little that seems wasted or that is not or does not serve some purpose to move the story forward yeah. um that's that's not the case in this movie especially with like you're talking about the, the the third act the final thing the big fight how it copies the first one almost exactly that they i thought it did a really good job with the story but it it could have done so much more by the time it got to the end with the different setting with the farm and with um i guess kind of the history of um evo shandor yeah shandor um you know there could have been a lot more there to really have a different, bigger ending than what they had in New York, because you were so, I guess, limited in the city. You know, you're surrounded by all these other buildings that you're having to film around, and stuffs in the way, and everything's always kind of pointed up. And you just, I think, you had a lot more opportunity that was just kind of wasted with replaying the exact same scenarios, except you're just in a desert, kind of in a mountain. I think so too. Like there is, there is vast expanse that yeah. could have been filled with something like i like the whole scene the whole uh setup where egon had made the the whole house into a trap with you know thousands of however many there are hundreds of traps throughout the the front of the property there i like that like i wanted to see more of that i think like throughout i guess the mountain other than just the the four uh proton packs yeah you could have done something different with that 
then bring back Zool. My favorite scene was the was the chase through the town. I thought that I'm was too, actually. really fun. Yeah. I thought that they did an incredible job with that. Yeah. And see, now that's taking that's adding a new dimension to yeah. something that was already established. It's again similar to what the Ghostbusters did with Slimer in the hotel where they're just destroying everything, trying to get this little right. ghost. <laughs> and, yeah. and only now it's some kid who's failed his driver's test, what, three, four times, something like that. Yes. And he's, he's driving the iconic Ecto-1 through the town and they're destroying everything along the way, trying to get this weird little ghost <laughs> and capture it. Which is the first ghost any of them has seen other than uh, her interacting with Egon's ghost, which I loved all the interactions with Egon's ghost, even though you didn't really see it till the end. I'm not opposed to, you know, Egon from beyond the grave having some sort of influence or or something like that. Um, I thought that was interesting, but I think that they overplayed that in this movie. To the point that it was it was like Casper. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hel- helping her out. And she just didn't question it at all. I thought this is their way of doing this without having to have a cheesy CGI recreation of them. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> then they freaking did And then it. they did that anyway. I thought that that was also overdone. It felt very manipulative. I read somewhere that they asked Harold Ramis' children for permission. I can't remember where I read that. I don't know how authoritative it is. But before they included his likeness, like Reitman asked... Do you care if we do something like this? So they had like their blessing or whatever. But I just, for some reason, I don't like the CGI deceased actor thing. I don't know. I don't either, but I will say. This is with me. I will say that this is probably one of the best I have seen. They kept it more conservative than even. That's true. Even with some living actors that have been CGI'd, they didn't look this good. Well, as soon as they hit her and she was scooting back, I, I said, if they're going to put Harold Ramis in it, this is the moment. And then you see his arm sort of grab the wand with hers. And I thought, yeah. that's enough. You don't have to show yes. him. Yes. Just hold You're on right. that. And that's plenty. The way to do something like this is, is brevity. Yeah. Yes. Now, some of the invisible, I, I have to point out my, I think my favorite Easter eggy kind of moment was when Phoebe first lands in the lab and she sees his collection of molds, spores, uh-huh. and fungus. Because that's my favorite line from the first movie when Janine says to Egon, <laughs> what do you do for fun? He says, I collect molds, spores, and fungus. And they don't explain it or anything. It's just, it's there. And I'm just like, I will admit I enjoyed that just because of my personal love of that, <laughs> of that line. Yeah. Least favorite? Ooh, least favorite callback? I don't know. What do you think? The Crunch Wrapper. The, the Nestle Crunch, you think so? The Nestle Crunch Wrapper. When, when, when they can... That was, was, now, do, do you think that was, that was the same one? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> to me, the, the worst one was it the fire. It was an ad-libbed gag that, that yeah, made it Yeah, they first decided to be the, the Ghostbusters. Venkman says, you, you earned it. And he tucks it yeah. in his coat. Yeah. And and you can see Harold Ramis trying to keep a straight face while he's doing this. Yeah. And it's great and it's perfect. And then life goes on. And that's where that's how that should have ended. But this what about entire the movie, this in, this entire movie is one it's one giant Easter egg. And no, the Twinkie was my nomination for the worst one. 
<laughs> I, I feel like the team I, is I've, a little. I have imagined this past week um, them literally going back and reshooting the scene because oh we forgot to put a Twinkie nod in the movie. What can we do? Let's let's shoot the 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 glove box opening up and there's a Twinkie. Now Perfect. I have to say the Twinkie the Twinkie would be mine too, Peaches. I agree because of course the other significant one is the books stacked when they first I did come notice the house. books. I like that. <laughs> I kept expecting someone to say when they walked in and saw the place for the first time. Who would stack books like that? So that's that's Ghost Egon. I they guess, at least manifesting. Resaying that there's <laughs> there's something going on here in his Egon way. Yeah, and it's enough in the background. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, the mold spores and fungus. She just looks at these jars and moves on. I love that line. Cool, but I feel you. Like opening the glove box for just to show a Twinkie is a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I have another one. And how old is that? Okay. Okay. The uh, the pole to get down to that, his that was what I was saying. The fire. Oh, pole. it was so stupid. Because Egon like, didn't like to be the more practical pole. for an eighty year old man. Okay. Because he he was the one that hated the fire pole. Yeah. Yes. How did he get all that stuff down there? Where's the side entrance? <laughs> Where's the no, secret wait, no, Tetris about... puzzle on the floor to get to the? I, I literally layer? I literally groaned when she first went down the pole. I was like. Yeah, that was too much. What what about okay, the other big one I feel like is uh when they're talking to Gozer and Gozer of course ask again, are you, are you a god? god? That bugged me. Yeah. Yes, that, that whole that? exchange. Although I did me. laugh when I I did laugh when they were like, "Ray, yeah. Come on, Ray. Come on. I did laugh. Okay, but that. that but they 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 left they left that too long. They yeah. they, they took too yeah. long to do they that. They milked it there too was, much. Yeah. Again, brevity. You know, you know them calling her flat or it. I guess flat top again. Yeah, made me laugh. But but then like in him giving his spiel about the wildlife association of blah 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 demands you depart. <laughs> total Bray made me laugh. Yeah. But but then yeah, they milked it a little too long. I feel you. I feel you. I am not opposed to fan service. I think that it's nice to give fans what right. they want, but. It is not a substitute for an actual through line with a plot and a story. Mm -hmm. And it should be used, I think, as subtext and and sure. something something in the background, something, you know, that's that, the moment that when it's the most see. successful is when it's in the yeah. background, like a subtext. It's like, yeah. it's like oh, hey, that's, that's well cool. Put. Like Pixar movies, at least pre-Disney, have always been really good about that. The ball with the star, right? Yeah, so like mm -hmm. they found ways to hide things in the movies that you wouldn't know unless you were just really loved that universe, you know? Did anyone notice that when, when they had like no time to lose, they're in a dire mm -hmm. situation, um, they head to the farm to put on uniforms for some reason. Oh, sure. And I thought it was, I thought it was nice, you know, because two of these kids are Spangler kids and the, the patch is going to say Spangler. But then I noticed at least podcast, his patch said podcast. <laughs> Did it? His definitely said podcast. <laughs> but then even the kids again, just like the 2016 Ghostbusters, it's like they were trying to recreate the old team. You had the one that was supposed to be Egon, and she mm -hmm. actually made a sure. pretty good Egon. But then she you did. had the one that and was kind of supposed why. to be Ray, the one that was kind of supposed to be Peter, to why. and the one that was kind of supposed to be the black one, I guess. Ernie Hudson does not age, by the way. My God. <laughs> that man. I mean, Ernie Hudson... <laughs> He looks he looks like they just sprayed some kind of spray in his hair to make it 
give them the game. It's like, come on, man. You got to give us something. It's been three decades. You got to age up some. What the hell? Those guys look like rough dinosaurs. (laughs) And then he's like, yep, I look the same. What's up? I got the tools and the talent, baby. I've been working out. (laughs) Uh, Have you seen the, where the three of them has shown up on all, all of the late night shows recently? Yeah, I interview. I yes. think this was Jimmy Fallon, and I felt so bad because he asked them, "Now, what was it like to put on the uniform again after all these years?" And he asked Ernie Hudson, of all people, the one that goes to conventions with the uniform on. Yeah. <laughs> one of the main problems that I had with this movie, as far as the story goes, is how could Ray Stance, of all people, not believe Egon when? Supposedly, yeah. Egon had called him to warn him about all this stuff. Yeah. If that, that was the case, that he would not still be running at a cult shop. You know, that doesn't Ray, Ray would have with... been like, dude, I saw a sign this morning in the sky, man. You're right. That, that would be one of my main difficulties. I think the backstory of the breaking up of the Ghostbusters was completely useless. A bit it, arbitrary. It, yeah, there was <laughs> no reason for it. You know, I love the concept of like, also, Egon. how much stuff did they have? Because apparently Egon grabbed all their stuff and then took right. off. And then and, what, and they there are, there, there are with four proton packs actually, in he, the he temple. Said, and there's... He's, he said that he took his pack and then all the traps. Okay. So I don't know where he got all the extra stuff. I, I mean, I guess he's had you know three decades own, or so to, stuff, yeah. to make more unlicensed nuclear accelerators. <laughs> sure, unlicensed nuclear accelerator. With, yes. with all the money that he did not have. <laughs> I like the concept of like he's built a trap the whole time. They have to discover it's a trap, like as a plot device. But then I feel yeah. like all this other stuff kind of got in the way of the simplicity of that yeah. idea and the other things they could have done with it. You're time. right, Saltis. Ray of all people who was so excited about the uh, Ambass uh, uh, sea sponge migration. <laughs> Yes, that that he couldn't make it down there in what 30 years to just observe for a moment. It's not even hidden. It's yeah, here it is. Here's this. This is what I've done. I've set up these things. Hey, if you look down, if you look (laughs) down, you don't even have to travel down. If you look down, you see the hell pit filled with souls. He could also take pictures of it and send it to him. But for again, for all of its problems, we've been we've been ragging on this. Oh, yeah, we were pretty hard with all there, the stuff. Overall, I had fun. It felt I, like I did. It, it was, it like was an a old fun school movie. I thought it was like an old school summer blockbuster movie to me. Yeah, like what I remember as I a kid going to see in the theaters. The plot doesn't have to be perfect. The experience can be fun, and mm-hmm. you can leave satisfied. And like that's just kind of and it's okay. I was not satisfied. <laughs> there was a a VR game that came out around the time of the 2016 movie where you could go into the firehouse and, you know, you could look at everything and it was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's neat, but I'd really like to rather play a game. And that's what I felt like about this movie <laughs> was we were looking at a bunch of stuff, but I wish there was more of an actual movie going. Finn Wolfhard and his girlfriend and the mother, they were as much characters in this film as the, the, the ghost trap and the Ecto-1 and the proton pack. <laughs> You know, I think you're right. Um, they were they were definitely there to be there. I did I did have fun, and I've seen this. I've seen it twice now. I, I, this is how I operate. <laughs> I took my kids to the theater to watch it. They had a blast with it. I went with my two least likely to like the movie, and then my wife took 
the two that would like it the best and they all enjoyed it because my youngest he uh he played with my old ghostbuster cars sure after the movie all like all day the next day (laughs) he really enjoyed it thank you for joining us in the dimension of our midnight cape we hope you'll visit us again from myself lumberdor beaches and doug thank you and good night I'd have preferred a sequel to the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah, you shut I your mouth. Sure. I agree. Okay. I would There's... like another sequel to that or a series. You gotta go. No, no, no. Has... no. Can someone call no. an ambulance because no. is about to burst a <laughs> no. vein. Yeah. I, I, I think... <laughs> I agree. No. They'd have done something more interesting the writing, than this. The writing alone yeah. was terrible. The direction was horrendous. All of their oh, yeah. stupid ad-libbing for forever. They could not let a joke die. It took it took five times as long for them to explain something in the 2016 as it did in the 1984. Yeah, but this movie wouldn't let 30 year old jokes die. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about the 2016 talking about Ghostbusters now. For the 2016 Ghostbusters. Because it is one of the <laughs> worst movies ever made. Not true. Love Google. You saying that makes mm, me want to watch it. One of, I said, <laughs> not the worst. One of. It is in that category. Look, even even the color grading is offensive. No, I'm assaulted. You have to pick between Ghostbusters 2016 and Birds of Prey. (laughs) Which is worse? I don't. I can hate them all. (laughs) They're all terrible. My (laughs) hatred is runs equally. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed that one too. I enjoyed both. I know you did. (laughs) And we're still friends because you're you're reasonable interdimensional beings. It's because it's just a movie and none of it matters anyway. (laughs)